0: fill out the form, come straight to us. You can also leave us a voice message if you want to leave your thoughts on audio and it may be played on the air, who knows. Let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. A very good evening to those out there. Thank you for dialing in again today. And if you're new, welcome. I'm. This will be a brief episode. I want to share some rather interesting things I just noticed, as in just a minute ago. So, podcast for casual talk radio. We in, we started out on Substack. Substack say it's actually started as a blogging platform, but then they added a podcast feature. That's where we launched Casual Talk Radio. At the at the time, um, it had a different form. Gentleman's World, Leister Life, a Gentleman's World, and then I changed it to Casual Talk Radio, branded it into CTR, and we've been running ever since. And we do grow steadily. Casual Talk Radio is um, enticing, I guess, more people to listen to the show, especially because we do, I think, different coverage than many. And I've worked very hard to adjust and refine and streamline episodes. We changed our scheduling. So I've been working very hard to get a very predictable cadence. Our disruption of the move has caused some challenges, but I think we've settled down. So now I'm, okay, I've got everything I needed. We got the site launched. That's good. That's good. I still need to finalize some things, but that's a lot of work with everything else I'm doing with my endeavors. I dialed in today because I was going to get ready to record for you guys, and I noticed Anchor.fm is no more. Anchor.fm became our host. We moved from Substack to Anchor.fm, mostly because Anchor.fm offered us some growth opportunities. Anchor.fm then slowly but surely started removing certain features, but there are things that it does that no other podcast host does things like the transitions and that sort of thing. You won't hear any transition today other than the first one that you heard a little bit ago. You won't hear any other ones on this one, but usually there's two transitions. One when I do a personal update and then there's transition to the actual topic for the day. Well, no other podcast does that host does this and I like it. And this transition where anchor.fm is no more. If you didn't know anchor.fm is a subsidiary. It was bought out by Spotify. I don't mind that because the podcast got more exposure by being aligned with Spotify. Spotify's RSS, which is the feed that drives it on your player that you're listening to me. If unless you're on the web, that feed gets distributed and it's aware to web services. They can see it. So we get notoriety simply because of being associated with Spotify, even though we were never directly a Spotify podcast. We were always an anchor.fm podcast that were visible to Spotify. But Casual Talk Radio also is on iTunes. iTunes is where the format for this comes from. We're also on a certain number of other platforms that are not quite as popular, but adds a little bit more diversity. Crypto Talk Radio, the sister podcast, has way more platforms it's on. But it all came back to Spotify as far as Anchor.fm Association. What apparently has happened is that Spotify has now absorbed the Anchor.fm, basically the code, into its own site, and they turned it into what they call Spotify for podcasters. So it's still Spotify, but it's kind of this separate area. Now we've always had access to Spotify for podcasters to see things like stats. So we always had this, and then where we would link to say, you know, we own this and here's, you know, we're the ones behind it and here's the data behind it. So now this new that I see, it's the same site, it's the same code. But what it means is that since there's no longer any anchor.fm, We have to adjust how we get into it to record episodes. It doesn't really affect us to a great degree. I don't expect it to affect my scheduling. I simply talk about it here to let you know that the podcast, the host has changed the way I have everything built. The feed that I, let's say I broadcast to social media, is actually coming from our website, casualtalkradio.net. So if you're hearing me now and the link, that you're using is not coming from the site, it still won't change. But at some point you may want to consider using the one that comes from the site. I say that because the one that comes from the site doesn't care if there's a host change, it'll continue to work. It's up to you. You don't have to change anything. As long as you get the episodes, that's what I'm more concerned about. We don't have a lot of people who are on the email subscription for casual talk radio. So there won't be any changes that I plan to communicate because apparently everything just is like it was before. If you subscribe to Spotify, it's transparent to you. If you subscribe to Apple, it's transparent to you. This would only affect you if you took one of the older feeds, let's say from Substack, let's say, and you use that to get on the podcast. At some point, that would have broken. I sent out a communication to let you know that we moved to Anchor.fm. And if you added that one, that one's still working for now. It may change, but according to what I see, they're keeping that because they don't want to break folks. But I like to make sure people know things did change, but it was not it was not by my design. It was done because the host chose to make that change. So now we have to adjust our flow and our style just to make sure that we are able to get in to upload and record and everything is the same quality that you expect from us, and that's a mission of mine. And I'll commit to you to do the best I can to keep everything on track. Some of it's in my control. Some of it's not. Then separately, there is a plan. There was a plan. Was. Past tense. To get out of here this weekend. Turns out, with the first car, I'm trying to get it registered. The paperwork's at the place to do it. I, went, I didn't go to the bodega again. I went to a different place. They seem to be a little bit more confident to get it done. And I got cash ready to go here in the wallet. To do that, that's going to hopefully take place tomorrow. If I can get it registered and titled clean without screwing it up, that will set me forward to sell it. And I've committed that I'm okay selling it. I just need to get to the point where it's legally able to be sold. And then I'll, that'll recoup a lot of the money, at least half of it. The money I spent on the second car. The second car is waiting on a green slip. The green slip process essentially in Nevada If you buy a car that is registered title in Nevada from a Nevada dealer, it means that you can register and title it in your name all online. You don't have to go down to the stupid DMV. Well, that's pretty cool. That's what I'm told anyway, but it's pretty cool. If it's true, that would then solve that, that entirely. I would own the car fresh and clean. I mean, I own it now because I paid for it, but I'm saying in terms of the eyes of the DMV that would resolve that piece with second car separately then, I need to coordinate and figure out how to get the car shipped and stored. What normally people would do is they would store the car temporarily in their source, wherever they're at, they would coordinate the new place, get it all set up. And then maybe one person goes up there and they're ready to receive it. The other person would come behind In my case. There is no two people. It's just me. So now I was going to put it in storage and then have the shipping company, give them the gate code, say, Hey, go get the car whenever you need to. And then I would go up, and then I'd have them just deliver it to my new place. Sounds good, except that the guy's like, yep, need the keys. I don't think he needs the keys, but whatever. I'm not going to be here to give him the keys. I'm waiting to hear back from him about a solution to this quandary. haven't heard anything back, which pisses me off, by the way. So now i got to figure out a way to get it up there, and I think all I can do is just have them come pick it up. It's going to be a a week-long travel anyway and i'm going to be up there before that and just have them drop it off at my new place out front and uh, deal with it that way so that's on deck but until i get that green slip i can't physically leave and then registering the first car i want to wait and figure that out everything else is good to go i need one more storage container i plan to try to get that packed up this weekend if i can maybe but i can't pack my bed i thought about buying a new bed Problem is that the place I would buy it from is actually in the destination I'm going. So it doesn't make sense to ship it here just to then lug it all the way up there. So that's where I'm at with the move. Uh, Endeavors are the endeavors. They continue to pay me. The second one's starting to make some mistakes. It's not their fault. They they're new to this, but they continue to pay me and there's plans to bump that money up. So I'm, I'm excited about that one. And then I'm excited to get out of Nevada. I can't stress to you how, Long time coming, this has been. Separately, though, and this is my topic. This used car business, you know, I've bought used cars before, and there was a time when I committed not to buying used cars. This time, used car only made sense. There's two reasons. I learned, and I don't know what this is, and if anybody's listening to me here, and I think I actually have some folks out in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, but, and I think there was some in Maine. What I've seen is that on the West Coast, for some reason, we're seeing more and more SUVs. We're seeing less and less sedans, less and less coupes, less and less, certainly less and less convertibles, unless they're the high ends, you know, the $60,000 or whatever. Whereas on the East Coast, they're all over the place with sedans. And i it's more that you see sedans than SUVs. I'm curious if anybody is listening that would have any insight into why I'm seeing this split, because it's really pissing me off. Because I don't like SUVs to boot. I don't mind an SUV if it's reasonably priced. I'd rather not take out a loan simply to get out of here because I'm kind of anti-loan, anti-credit card right now. Mentally, I'm like cash, cash is king, cash is king. I don't mind paying cash, but it's got to make sense. The car I bought, the second car, the good one, it was like $19,000, but it's it's low mileage. It's got all, of, I'd say 99% of the features I want. It's For me, it's perfect. It's just got a couple of things that I'm going to tweak. Other than that, it's what I wanted. 19 grand. It's done. Don't have a loan. It's all paid off. It's good to go. The first car was 10 grand. It doesn't have what I wanted. I had to spend some money to get it drivable, but now it's a decent, good shape. And then I was going to install a um, head unit, a better head unit into it to add to the appeal. Because I think it's a great, great car for maybe a high school grad or somebody who's in college and just needs some basic transportation, doesn't anything fancy, maybe a female. It's actually a nice car for a basic use, A to B. I just need to get an A to B or maybe their car is broke down. They can't, they can't afford a replacement, but they just need something that's decent, good. It's good for that. And I thought about seeing if I could find that person and either sell that or I might let's say come across a friend or family member who's in need of a car on short. And I could maybe even give it to them. Maybe that's a hard sell, but maybe. So then I'm thinking, okay, maybe I don't sell it here. Maybe I just hang on to it, leave it in a managed storage that does maintenance and everything else to keep it good. And then at some point decide who's going to, who's best to receive this from me. So, and by the way, because some might be thinking this, no, there will not be a gift to a significant other. There will be no significant other. Anyhow, once I figure all that stuff out, I'm ready to do the drive. Turns out the winter is, I guess, getting worse again. The destination told me, yeah, the snow's starting to pick up again in some of the northern areas, so I have to watch out for weather conditions. I'm going to order my special tires that I pretty much get every single time I get a car. Because they're awesome tires. They just, they're perfect. They're perfect for any weather. And anybody who's curious about these, I'm happy to share um, those tire brands and information with you. In fact, I think I'll just do that now just because somebody might be curious. So if you ever go to tirerack.com, that's one word, tirerack.com. They did not compensate me for this. I'm giving them a shout out because I've used them for years. Tirerack.com, the way it works is they have agreements with, I think it's Discount Tire and a couple of others to do installations for their tires. So you can order from them online. They'll deliver it to your tire place and then schedule to get you all set up, you know, mounted, rotated, balanced, et cetera. Or you can just have them ship you the tires. You can even have them them pre-inflated with rims and they'll ship you the tires and you can put them on yourself. You can do it whichever way you want to do it. In most cases, you're doing a replacement with existing rims. So if you do that, then you just have it shipped to your local place. They'll do the rest of the work for you, and you can do the whole transaction online. They're really cool people, really easy to work with, pleasant. They ship fast. Like, sometimes you can get them next day. They're, they're fast. So, TireRack.com, and the tires in question, they're not available for every vehicle. So, I'll just warn you this. I don't think they're even available for many SUVs, but they might be. I just, I always do it on this type of uh, sedan. But they're called Vredestein, is the brand, V R E. D-E-S-T-E-I-N, Redistine And they're Quattrac Pros. Q-U-A-T-R-A-C, Quattrac Pro. These are, they're called Grand Tourings. They're all-season tires. Don't let the all-season fool you because these tires are actually rated for severe snow. So they handle very well, even when it's the, you know, the powdery snow. They handle well when it's the slush. They handle well when it's the, obviously black ice is what it is. But they seem to handle really, really well in snowy and snow-covered conditions. They also cover really well in rain, wet um, conditions, slick conditions, really good tires. They're quiet running, and they're durable. Like, I've never had any sort of an issue with any punctures or damage on these. I can't speak highly of them. They're one of the top-rated tires on TireRack.com. So if you are looking for really good tires for your car, even if it's just to replace them with something that's going to last you the test of time. I can't speak highly enough of these tires. They're they have a warranty of 50,000 miles for most people. It's going to last you the life of how long you keep your car. So if you're curious about that, I would just point you to that way. That's what I'm going to be getting probably here. So I can get ready for the drive. Some people claim that when it gets warmer, that the noise seemed to increase that the reason is any tire, as the, there's the, I'm trying to simplify it. When you have different temperatures, the, the rubber gets either softer or harder. And what happens when they get warm, and it's molecular, when they get warm, there's more that contacts the road. So it, they're not flat. They're just, there's more that contacts the road because they're warm. So they kind of relax a little bit. Think of it. When it's cold, they kind of contract, and so there's less surface that touches the road. And that's why there's a noise difference. It's not the tire itself. All of them do this. If you have the super large one, like say if you have a massive pickup F-150 type truck and you get one of those tires, they're less affected by that because they naturally will have strong surface area hitting the road all the time. That's why many of those tires are never Quiet because their surface area is great. And so they're constantly hitting the, the road. So you will see that people say, Oh, it's kind of noisy. It's when it's hot, basically, when it's hot or super warm, it's because of the way that these contract or relax given different weather, and all tires are affected by it to some degree. Some people will say, Well, some tires, when you get a car fresh off the lot, brand new it won't do that. The reason is because they're getting the, you know, the super ghetto low end tires for the fact off the factory line that don't have. So in those cases, they don't have like good cornering necessarily, or they won't behave well in rainy weather or something that's not good in performance of them. So the factory ones are usually your 80% of the time. These will do you fine type tires. They're not the tires that are well-rounded to deal with any situation. Almost to a T, you'll see people say, no, yes, they performed good. They performed good in snow. They performed good in rain. They performed good in this. They performed good in that. But, yeah, the noise kind of didn't work for me. And that's because all tires do it that are within this size range. So, TireRack.com, Redestein Quattrac Pro, can't speak highly of those. Or maybe just check TireRack.com and just check out for your car what might make sense if you are considering tires. They also sell other products as well. I, again, they're cool people, so you'll be taken care of if you decide to use them. I'm going to be purchasing some of those here so shortly, probably this weekend maybe, to uh, get some better tires for the, for the guy out there. And then I need to replace the hybrid battery, but that's a little ways away. The last thing I'll call out in terms of topics, because we're on the topic of cars, I was talking about how we got this SUV situation, and then sedans are just drying out, and I don't know why. I'm seeing that many used cars are coming in to dealers, and before the dealer wouldn't even touch it if it had a certain level of mileage. Now we're seeing used cars that are exceeding 125,000 miles, and that does not work for me, brother. I am, I'm not as hard-nosed about the 100k miles, but I do think that it matters the car. So, like in mine, it's a hybrid. So, it's while it's 60,000 miles, it's really 30,000 because on base when you have a hybrid, it's usually half of them are going to be electric miles just because of the nature of the car it, in this case it seems like the owner didn't really believe in plugging it in far as i can tell because as i look at the way the battery behaves it almost seems like they never plugged it in and they pretty much it'll charge itself up that's fine but usually you want to do a full charge where possible to keep the battery healthy and so it doesn't look like that was that was done but it still runs like a, a, ban, a brand new car and so i'm cool with it but I got lucky for a really good price and it's a little bit, there was a little bit of profit in it for the dealer, but it's still a really good price for what it is considering it's a low mileage car, which is what I was looking for that has most all of the features I want. And then I can upgrade components. I plan to upgrade the head unit uh, to a version three instead of version two, that kind of thing. The tires I talked about, I'm putting uh, LEDs inside of it, just doing basic upgrades. And by the time I'm done, I'll have something where I can keep it for years and not have to worry about it. That was my goal. Then it'll be obviously your car is one of your largest expenses and I won't have a loan. And that was a big shift for me. Well, many of these dealers are trying to shuffle me over to buying a new car and I refuse to do it because I don't want a loan. Not anymore. I'm kind of past the era of doing a loan. I felt like I wanted to just pay it off and be done with it and not worry about it in an era of inflation, number one. But number two, I still haven't even done my freaking taxes and I already know I'm going to have to pay money on that. So that's all spinning around my head of, okay, what am I going to have to pay on this business with the taxes and do I have enough in the bank to deal with it? I'm pretty sure I do, but I haven't crunched the numbers. Separately, I get money in every week and that's fine, but I also need to recoup some of this money I had to spend to just get this chaos done. Meanwhile, as I'm trying to get a car... I can't get a car I really want because everybody's pushing SUVs and the prices of new cars is like minimum 30 K, which ain't going to work. I'm not doing this separately of that. Even on the, the used car stuff that has decent mileage, they want like $25,000, which ain't going to work. So I guess my feedback for those listening, I don't know what's I do. It's they claim it's an inventory shortage. I don't buy that. I think what's really happening is we see a lot of people who are selling their used cars that they've been driving till the wheels fall off in some cases, literally. And the dealer sees an opportunity for desperate people who either never had a car or were never in a position to be able to buy one on the cheap. And they're selling them as these high mileage things. And they're in many cases, not worth the money that's being asked. So I may have told the story. I was going to get an SUV and I was fine with it because of the price. It was like $15,000. This is in December. They said, yep, we do an inspection. This is my episode I talked about Carvana. If you're new, you wouldn't have heard this, but I did an episode on Carvana. Check that out in the archives a little bit at casualtalkradio.net. What happens is it's a Cadillac, okay? So they do, they say, yep, we do inspections. We check it out. We make sure it's good. We don't sell crap. Okay, no problem. I, I commit, buy the car, 15 grand cash, wired the deal okay they're going to deliver it first week of january so i had scheduled getting out of here around this delivery no problem the driver literally two hours before the delivery schedule calls and says hey there's a check engine light i'm not comfortable delivering the car now i don't know what's wrong with it it could be nothing or it could be something major i don't know what bothers me is that this wasn't caught before they shipped it out here because it came from oregon i believe So I'm living, the driver's not doing her job. So I escalated to the executive office through the BBB. Shout out to them. I get an immediate call from the executive office. She was excellent to work with. She got my money expedited back to me, back wired into my account. Everything was clean. So I got my money back, cool, and they took their garbage. So then I, separately to this, because I need a car now and I'm not going to get this one. And I need to get out of here. This is January, mind you. I buy the other car, the one that I'm struggling to get titled and registered. I buy that from a different place. Now here, he straight told me there's no warranty. It's, it's as is. There could be some major issue. We don't know. It's, you're agreeing that it could be some major issue. And I was cool with it. The titling issue was not known, not to this degree. That wasn't his fault necessarily, but he didn't want to help fix this. So I got that, We f- now, <laughs> months later, we got that part settled. Looks like that's going to be solved. But I had to spend like 4000 $4,500 on a catalytic converter to make the thing safe to drive. Okay, so now, separately to this, because that car wasn't safe at the time, that's when I buy this one that I've got that I want to keep. Do that deal. That one's m- pretty much good, but all three of these cars I just described, all had a check engine light the one that I didn't get the first one that I did the cat converter on and then this new one now with the new one we got it inspected and turns out far as we can tell myself and the technician it looks like it just was a dead battery because it was sitting somewhere in a lot or something and that happens if the battery drops beneath 12 volts there's not enough juice for all the different components and the computers and everything to talk to each other and that's what we think it was because when I charge that 12 volt the issue went away and never came back. Now in thinking, it's possible that the original, the SUV, the Cadillac, might have actually been okay, and it might have been the same thing. It might have simply been that the battery is not charged up, and I could have dealt with it and been fine. But because they didn't respond and say, get Joe the mechanic to check the codes and find out what's wrong and fix it, and they didn't want to do that, it caused a delay and a scramble and a lot of unnecessary overhead on me. Here we are now. Three, literally three months to the day from that whole fiasco, and I've got two cars when I should only have one, I'm down roughly about 12000 it all told because 10000 bucks for, the, for the, the car that I don't like, $4,500 on the catalytic converter, the $14,000 I got credited back, so I took that and that was absorbed into the, the car I don't like, on the car that I do like. Okay. So no problem. And then there's going to be some sort of reimbursement. I don't know what that looks like when I eventually sell that the car that I don't like. So I'm in the red a little bit. I'm not hurting, but I don't like that. It got to that point because it affected all my plans. It affected my podcast work. It affected my ability to move. It affected my ability to focus on the endeavors to some degree. And then in the middle of this, and I think I gave the update, you know, my my brother passed away first week of February. So now everything is like, geez, really? Hopefully, hopefully I can get to a point where I can stop telling these stories. We can get back to fun stuff. So I've bored you long enough, and I appreciate you for regaling me with your time and attention. Next episode I assure you, I promise you, I commit to you, which will be next week, by the way. I assure you, commit to you, and promise you. I have a very interesting topic that I'm going to be talking through with you. It's not, a, not one of this type of a story. It's a different story that I want to tell. And it has to do with when you have a situation, a family situation, and you're trying to deal with it and coordinate and schedule and manage things, and how I can help this, because I think I've done enough of them where i be able to provide some tips and tricks that may help some folks out there. Meanwhile, though, wish me luck, cross fingers. It's not a, it's, it's not insurmountable. It's just frustrating because a lot of it is stupid and pointless. And I've said that to many people and I think I'm just disruptive and I don't know why. The other part of it is that people suck at email, which I will reserve that rant for another episode. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process that's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at CasualTalkRadio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care and I will see you on our next upload.